Coming up in today's podcast, we start to look at when you happen to get a cow's tongue in a Tiffany's basket, you're probably a slime ball. We also review a film with Dustin Hoffman, Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler where no one's laughs, or not supposed to at least. And finally for our feature, we'll see what things Flinty will be conjuring. You'll get the joke later. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to Talk Filmy to Me podcast. We are up to episode 12 monkeys. My name's Adam Flint. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Flint. I'm on the road today. I'm not joined by my usual wingman, but he's here for his hat trick. I want to welcome you if you haven't been to this podcast before and heard this guy. Yes, he's a Brian Blessed. Essex's answer to Brian Cox. In fact, anything to do with Brian in the name, he's probably there. James Hannon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, mate. How you doing? Yeah, fantastic. So, it's been a while since you've last been on the podcast, actually. Yeah, no, I think the last one, we did the science of films, didn't we? We did that one, and we've had another one since. Yeah, done one about uh, comedy. Oh, yeah, it's about comedy. And that's that was right, that was surprising, because my taste in comedy is terrible. And then you still <laughs> invited me on it. <laughs> Shall we crack on with news? Let's just uh, get straight into it. News. What broke since the last... Actually, before going to the news, the last big trailer to drop was actually a new Star Wars trailer. And we had not had a chance to talk about this on the podcast. Now, I don't want to go into detail too much about what happens in the trailer, because to be frank, there's other podcasts out there that do a much better job of that. But... Just what's your general take? Did you like it? Yeah, I'm one of those people that I want to see every trailer before the before the Star Wars film comes out. I do, but are you one of those people that goes, I like, I'll hunt for trailers. Like, I'll be scouring Twitter if there's a TV yeah. spot, I'll watch yeah. it. If there's a, a, I even love watching. Like IGN do this really well. They'll do a breakdown of a trailer and try and pull apart what that means to the narrative of the film yeah. they do it with Marvel movies all the time they've been doing it obviously with the Star Wars ones but then I watch the film and I come out and my wife will go what do you think I'll be like it's a bit boring really I've seen it all yeah yeah, I've seen all the best bit in the trailer yeah but I didn't get that feeling with the, the new Star Wars trailer to be honest I, I felt that it was very much a, a tone setting I got lots of questions after watching it. Yeah. But I don't think I know anything about the narrative. It was quite a lot of broken scenes, wasn't it? There was no like extended narrative of what was going on. It was like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And you're like, oh, I want to know more, more. Yeah, and they try and throw you off the scent a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help that Mark Hamill keeps spilling odd little bits of yeah. information about it. Like, for example, when he was given the script for episode eight, and yeah. someone says, oh, Mark, you got the script. Obviously, you can't tell us, but what what do you think? His response was, I don't like the direction necessarily Luke's going in. <laughs> but he's also quite clever, though, isn't he, Mark Yeah, but Hamill? exactly. Right? He yeah. knows how to play the game. He and then, does. obviously, the first trailer dropped where you know, that quote was, the Jedi must end. Yeah. And we don't even know if that's, that's from Luke. It just sounds kind of like Mark Hamill. That's it. Um, but it introduced us Porgs, the the trailer for the latest one for episode eight. That's the weird creature. Is, is that thing. the penguin thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only way, way I can describe it, is that penguin thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not going to be another Jar Jar Binks, is it? No, I think they've kind of. It's almost like they had some marketing team in a room said, right, we need to make a shitload of toys for this new Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, we film. need to get a new Christmas bestseller. Exactly. <laughs> right. So let's make something which which people are going to love. And to be honest, I, I thought it was okay. Like, well, I, they had that with BB... Was it BB-88 or whatever it's BB, called? BB-88. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listened to that band, Blink-182 <laughs> as well. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose they're doing it to sell toys. But I thought BB-8 was kind of a cool iteration yeah. on the droid stuff, and I do think that that Porgs look all right. I mean, are, are you an Ewok hater or an Ewok lover? I actually quite like the Ewoks. I think uh, Porgs are going to be like that, right? You either okay. love them or hate them, sort of okay. thing. But at least we can all agree it's not Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Anyway, speaking about news this week about Star Wars, Ron Howard, in his youthful way to be down with the kids, decided to launch on first of all his Instagram account, then Star Wars took it and put it on their their official social media feeds. He announced a title for his at that point untitled Han Solo movie. They gone with the original title of Solo. A uh, Star Wars story. Uh, it's ingenious, mate. I mean, how long did it take a thing in that? I well, mean, I bet that cost $50,000 to think of that name, I bet. I can imagine they got all this agency in and going, oh, it's yeah. about this guy called Han Solo. Let's go. And it's about him. Stop. He's no, he's no longer Solo. He yeah. joins up with Chewie because we're going to find out how he meets Chewie. Wow. You know, it's a film we're all asking for, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, he unveiled the, the title and the internet does what the internet does and took this the way he unveiled it as well do you remember when george bush not george bush sorry that was a few what a few years back do you remember when donald trump signed those those first set of bills when he came in the president yes he stood there and was like look to the left look to the center look to the right for the people obviously who can't see me i'm mimicking opening up a book it's very similar to how how ron howard presented yes this and the internet decided to to do what the internet does and do lots of interesting memes and, and text changes over it. Um, to be honest, um, it's not. has this got you more hyped to see the film? That's the question. No. I, I've, I do love Star Wars and I will obviously go and see it, but um, the title hasn't given anything away at all, which maybe that's the intention. Maybe the intention is I to make it vague. I wish they went a bit more clever with the title. You know, yeah. Something to, to basically... Because you think about The Force Awakens, right? And... Yeah. That got people excited, and it was very homage mm-hmm. to the original films. It was all about being on that nostalgia. Yeah. And they knew that with Han Solo, there's not a lot of people that actually want yeah. this movie, and that they need to really tap into that nostalgia feel. So I thought it would have been hilarious if... What's that insult that Leia uses against him in Empire Strikes? Nerf oh. Herder? Yeah, Nerf That's Herder. That's it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just call it Nerf Herder or something. Yeah, so that yeah. would have been cool. Something yeah. hilarious, which only fans would... You know, everyone else go, what the hell is a stupid title? But yeah, something yeah. to get the fans in, because they're gonna, they're the ones that are going to buy 10 That's tickets. It. They're the ones who are going to buy the DVDs. And if you think about it, things like Rogue One, everyone knew what Rogue One was as well. They knew that yeah. was the mission to get the plans for the Death Star. So... Yes, it wasn't a clever title, but it got people going, oh yeah, it's going down that route. With the Han Solo story, there's obviously the bits that you get from the Star Wars films. There's obviously the bits from the books which they're not following. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, just if they're given a little bit more of a, of a taster of yeah. this is the direction it's going in, fact, I think it would have got people a bit more excited. No one in the Star Wars universe, apart from one scene with Finn, refers yeah. to him as Solo. He's always yeah. known as Han. Yeah. So it's not even like, you know, they're yeah. personifying him in any particular way. Or maybe that in itself, actually. Maybe you've just made a good revelation there. Maybe that in itself is is the hint. Maybe he was just known as Solo because he was always by himself and all that stuff. And maybe, it's, you know, maybe that's part of it. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I don't you know. just stumbled across I think we've probably there. spent too much time talking about the film title. <laughs> yeah. But um, all right, moving on. Obviously, the last few weeks, Hollywood has been absolutely destroyed by the news of the CEO slash founder of the Winstein Winstein company, Harry Winstein. Um, Obviously, those Mm. allegations of sexual abuse. A lot of people have built their careers off of this film company. One of them, uh, the legend himself, Kevin Smith, has decided to donate all future proceeds from every film he made with Miramax, who are owned by the Winstein company, to a charity for victims of sexual abuse. Now, I think that's a, an amazing gesture. I don't think it's going to erase the history, obviously, that Harry Winstein has uh, has caused on a lot of his victims. But people out there do have a conscience. Mm. And 
He even come out and said, look, even if the Winston company goes bust, I will donate an amount of money that I would have received in royalties. Mm. This and he, you forget, just be, you know, fair enough. He hasn't had too many great releases over the last couple of years, but he's doing really well in TV. And um, he has made a lot of really good films, really successful oh, yeah. films. You think about Dogma, Chasing Amy, the Clerks series, mm. but also some other films you might not necessarily thought. So like Cop Out, the Bruce Willis movie, he directed that. He also directed yeah. Zach and Mary made, made a porno. Yes, I did know so that, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a lot... Of, his back catalogue's really impressive. Yeah. Not to mention, obviously, he's he's sort of more lesser-known movies, more for his fans, stuff like Tusk and that, which although didn't mm. critically do well, I'm sure there's lots of people buying DVDs. So and, the com- and the comic book guys, didn't he? Yeah, he done that. Yeah, 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 that was really good as well. I really enjoyed that TV series. So for him to sit back and think, man, like my empire's built on shaky mm. foundations, and to, to take action, I hope that kind of opens the door for other people to do things like this. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not an, a, a nice topic anyway, is it really? Like, you know, the fact that it went on for so long, uh, and in this day and age, you would you don't expect that to happen, which I think just reflects the sort of society we have today, that you don't expect it to happen. And the fact that it still happens, you've got people like this who are trying to trying to make a positive difference out of a horrible situation, mm. I think is what, what helps progression, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's, it is having an effect. The, I can't remember the name of the actor. Even, even this doesn't have to be top level. It goes mm. right down to the bottom. The guy who is Will in Stranger Things, also in It, I can't remember his name, oh, yeah. he's, uh, he's just fired his publicist because his publicist uh, has lots of ac- accusations of, of molestation mm. uh, which have come to light out of this campaign that's been going through people to speak up on all forms of abuse so you're right it's it's terrible it's happening but it's good that it's being exposed if that makes sense Um, going back on the Star Wars theme um, I think it must be coming up to the anniversary of Carrie Fisher's death Mm because lots of stories are coming out in the press she was a a great role model which no one talked about right she was very much a good advocate for women's rights and equal pay and all that sort of stuff but um, this is a great story which came out recently and that was a few years ago, a Sony executive, who's currently unnamed at the moment, but I have a feeling his name will probably hit the press soon because the story's getting bigger and bigger. Mm. He molested, apparently, um, allegedly, shall I say, uh, a good friend of Carrie Fisher's for a film role, and she confided in Carrie for advice. Yeah. And Carrie told her... She got the role. The, the lady got right. the role in question, and Carrie Fisher told her, do not take the role. I don't care if it's going to launch your career. If you need help financially, I'll be here to support you until you land on your feet. She wow. decided to mail the well, mail deliver post to this executive um, a Tiffany basket, and this Tiffany basket arrived, and she made sure it was delivered via um, I don't really know what you call it, kind of like a, a delivery service that turns up at your workplace to make a big deal out of the fact you've got a delivery. It's like, not a tele- like a fe- FedEx or like no, a Telegram, like a Telegram, but it's not a Telegram. It's an actual gift. So it's like not, oh. not a singing Telegram. That'd be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're a scum um, yeah. right. so um, delivery turned up made sure in front of all his employees Tiffany yeah. Basket come oh who's this from and uh, yeah oh it's from Carrie Fisher oh it's very nice open up the letter and it says um, you know, to this person concerned um, if you put a hand on my friend or any other woman again there won't, there'll be something it won't belong to a cow that belongs in this box what open up the box it was a cow's tongue and wow. apparently a cow's tongue is very similar in appearance to the male genitalia <laughs> Right. So, I mean... That's unfortunate for the cow, isn't it? I, mean, I, hope, I hope the cow, you know, that wasn't how the cow died. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, 
she was fighting these sort of things long before mm. it came to light. We need more people like like Kerry Fisher yeah. about. Um, right, so just moving to finish up the news. Two two big things been kind of called a big kind of came out over the last week. Deadpool two, we've been reporting on it. Mm-hmm. You know, certain pieces of news info that has come out over the last few weeks, but in particular, the film finished production. Uh, last week and Ryan Reynolds done what he does best he took to Instagram and posted some really cool pictures with lots of hints in there brilliant um, one of the things everyone's talking about from these pictures is he likes to he likes to do lots of meta jokes right that's why he's so good as Deadpool yeah. and, and Ryan Reynolds and everything else during the filming of the last Deadpool movie someone said to him oh have you got a name for your swords and he goes yeah I call them B and Arthur um, after a, it's like a, I think it's like called Golden Girls or something, like an American TV show, which oh. is a well-loved TV show. Yep. So it's, I suppose I, 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 I've watched it. Oh, you've watched it. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Fair Wasn't it about three old women who used to just like slag each other off on other people? It's yeah, hilarious. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much. So, yeah. um, this film, he's decided, or the production company have engraved the swords. B and Arthur oh, in wow. gold, and he just—it's just yeah, it just—it's just so much detail goes yeah. into little things. The only another thing that's kind of making everyone go, "Oh, what's this?" is interesting. He tweeted a picture in his um, costume trailer. Now, for the first movie, it was a low-budget film. They only had four Deadpool suits throughout oh. the whole film. Okay. In this film, he had twenty lined up on a rack. Two of them were white. And people Ooh. are like, oh, has he got a new suit? Is it going to be interesting? I think people are reading into it too much, to be honest. Yeah. But um, that rap production. Also, speaking of X-Men movies, um, the latest in the, the X-Men saga is going to be called Dark Phoenix. And that wrapped as well in the same week. <clears throat> the only concern that people have got about this is this film only started production about a month ago. So it has been rushed through. And wow. When's it due to come out? It's due to come out summer next year. Only started a month ago. Only started a month ago, and they wrapped production like last week. Wow. Okay. So I'm sure this is set up. You know, a film yeah. where the the cast and the direction of the story were dictated by the release date, and they've yeah. managed to produce all the recording in a month. Uh, it's gonna be a t- it's gonna be a great film, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, we'll, we'll wait and see, won't we? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that comes out next year. Actually, wouldn't it be great? To, actually, maybe for the next podcast to do a feature about films you're looking forward to for next year. But anyway, uh, that's the news for this week. Streaming Jim. Are you Harold Meyerowitz's son, Matthew? Yes. Uh, and this is Danny, also Harold Meyerowitz's son. I didn't realize he had two sons and a daughter. For streaming gems this week, we've got a couple we're going to talk about, but for the first one, I want to talk about quite a serious Netflix movie, actually. It stars Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, Adam Driver appears in it a little bit as well, Dustin Hoffman. I mean, the cast is absolutely stellar. It's called The Merowitz Stories, colon, new and selected, even though it's actually just one story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I say Adam Sandler and Netflix, and you'll be at right for thinking this, oh, is he going to talk about a crappy comedy? Uh, because, let's face it, most of Adam Sandler's Netflix original content is crap comedies made by his mm-hmm. production studio but one thing actually because I you know, for the record I don't like most Adam Sandler movies past 2003 2004 I like Little Nicky I like I like Billy Madsen Happy Gilmore The Wedding Singer is a classic movie even the 
the one he done later down the line with Drew Barrymore, 50 oh, First 50 Dates. Oh, 50 First Dates, yeah. That was all right. Yeah, exactly. But then all of a sudden he started hanging out with people like Kevin James and oh. Kevin Hart and it just went downhill. Uh, the man opposite me now is despairing because okay. that's actually what he loves. I'm going to disagree. I love the slapstick nature of grown-ups and things like that. And they're, they're not great films. No one's ever going to say they're great films. But on a Saturday night when you just want to chill out and you want to have a couple of beers or you know, you're know with your missus or whatever, I think something like Grown Ups is a good laugh-out-loud film. And I like that. You are very much... You could find sugar in a salt shaker, mate. They, <laughs> they're, they're not very good films. But anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> Have you seen some of his... like Because essentially what happened about two or three years ago, Netflix um, said to Adam Sandler... We like you, you seem to have a big following and mm. you have a production company of lots of great actors and we want to give you lots of money to yeah. make lots of content. So he started producing original content for them. Yes. And uh, I remember there was some Western, which was basically an ensemble cast, which is kind of their weird mm. take on The Magnificent Seven, which wasn't very good at all. But I read an interesting thing. A lot of people, his actors in his production house, he is very loyal to. Yeah. So he is, yeah, he's obviously made films with these guys in the past they may sound like big names to us, but actually struggle to get work in Hollywood. So he keeps them on his books. He will do films to make sure that, A, his friends have got a job, but he also makes sure that they get paid what he thinks they're worth, which we'll oh. discuss in this off mic. Of if we were setting up our own film company, even if we were crap actors, we'll just get our mates to do it and we'll pay them hilarious movie rates because yeah. it would be funny. So, oh, wouldn't it be great if our mate, I don't know, Jackson got paid $40 million for a cameo appearance in a film and that's the equivalent yeah. of an Oscar-winning performance from someone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. too right. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, this... Uh, so when I hear Adam Sandler on Netflix and this film was coming out, I was like, oh, I don't want to have to review it. But I, a lot of momentum started building up. So I asked Jamie as well to, to watch this film and give, mm-hmm. give our opinions of this one. And I'm going to start off by saying this film has got an amazing reception. It's got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Every film outlet out there has given it either their highest tier or just one below their highest mm-hmm. tier. And I failed to see it. It's a very yeah. long film. I found it. I found this so pretentious. Yeah, I found it tough. I mean, it was a very, very slow burner, um, and it, and a lot of people have sort of really praised Adam Sandler's acting in it, showing that he's got lots of dimensions to his acting. Um, but I, I, I feel like I've seen him play that role before. Like yeah. if he's not doing comedy and he's doing his serious acting, like Sandy Wexler, for example. I felt it was the same sort of role, you know, that that hapless loser guy. Yeah. Um, and he either plays that character yeah. or, or he plays the comedy character. He's and, not a complete fuck up, but yeah. he's not someone that, you know, your kid will run, you know, his kid will go to school and say, my daddy does nothing. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of in that that space of where most people are in life, to be fair. Mm. So I I agree with you. I, I don't necessarily think he, if anyone deserves real praise, I'll probably Ben Stiller like I thought Ben Stiller's yeah. performance was actually quite good but just to set the premise of this movie it's based around a family who's uh, a dysfunctional dust- family, a dysfunctional family <laughs> where Dustin Hoffman is kind of the head of the household he's a, a father who used to rule the roost for a long time and used to pay the bills by being uh, an artist not necessarily an amazingly successful artist but enough to, to make a living off mm. of and um, he has had several marriages, he has had children in these marriages, and these children happen to be Adam Sandler's character, Ben Stiller's character. There is a female actress in this who does get some airtime, I can't think of her name for life of me at the moment. Um, and the film basically takes it as mm. chapters, and each child from 
this dysfunctional family gets a chapter in their life. Adam Sandler plays a, a guy who's kind of down on his luck, never kind of made it in the way he wanted to, had a lot of potential as a musician, but didn't really sort of break the heights that he was expecting to. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a really great relationship with his daughter from a marriage that has, that's sub- uh, has broken up as well. Yeah. Ben Stiller has been kind of the kid who was always told, oh, you'll never be as good as your brother. Turns out he actually did go do really well in the world of financial consultancy, moved away from town and has never really, never really looked back. And his sister has always been kind of weird and dysfunctional, but you never really know why. I thought she was actually quite good in the film I thought she played that weird character really really well I think a lot can be said about not saying much yeah and she she done that so well yes which I thought was great I thought Dustin Hoffman was really interesting in this film actually Mm. Um, he plays kind of just like the naive dad like Mm. I know everything's right because this is the way I see the world and quite selfish as well he was very selfish in his opinions and his decision making and it was all about him really which I suppose was a reflection on on probably his artistic temperament I guess you know being very selfish there's some some splatterings of interesting elements in this film what I liked Mm. actually is that every character in this film has a temper Yes, and they all—they never show it together at the same time. Mm. They always show it in very mundane things. So there's a scene where Adam Sandler is trying to park his car, and he turns around and screams, "Fuck you, motherfucker!" Yeah. Like really lets off yeah. against them, and uh, then he just yeah he lets it out. He steam and parks his car. In a scene later on, Dustin Hoffman's playing pool, and he doesn't do the shot he wants. And he goes, "Ah, oh, fuck you, motherfucker!" and smashes the pool cue. Yeah. Later on down the film, Ben Stiller has a similar outburst. And I think what they're trying to do in that narrative is to try and give some form of, look, these guys are related. Mm. You know, they are their father's sons and whether they like it or not, that's who they are. And they and there's a point in the film where they all kind of come to terms of who they are, who their father is, mm. and they start actually operating as a family. Now, from our descriptions, you'll probably think, why have you guys panning this movie? Why are you saying it's rubbish? Maybe it is worthy of these mm. scores. I'm going to actually say that I think the director kind of ruins, not ruins it, but that's too strong a word, but takes these great ingredients and makes a very average or even below Mm. average movie. Now, this whole chapter breakdown, I found very pretentious. There was this very cheesy piano score in the background that tried to add a bit of warped humour to it. There was lots of scenes where I just thought it wasn't edited very well. Like, it would just cut for no reason. Or not shot very well. Some of the camera work was... And I guess that was part of the the rough and readiness of the filming. But it was... The camera work was... There's a bit where they're fighting on the floor and rolling around and the camera's sort of moving with them. But not yeah. in a dynamic shot sort of way. It was kind of just like, I've got a hand camera and I'm just filming very close at the moment. Yeah. And there were some bits that made me laugh out loud. There were some bits that, you know, sat here alone watching it. I actually did laugh out quite loudly. But it just, it just didn't seem... I just didn't feel it worked as a film. And you want to be entertained, but you also want to enjoy it. But you don't have to work too hard when you're watching a film, do you? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And the director, Noah Bambach, I listened to an interview of him a couple of weeks ago, actually, when I think he'd done something for Empire and I was just listening to it in the background. And he was talking about, how did you come to the premise of this story? And he said, oh, I've always wanted to work with Adam Sandler. I've always wanted to work with Ben Stiller. And we always said, if there's a project that we could all work together on, you know, they'll immediately say yes. Mm-hmm. And he had this idea for a concept of a scene of everyone surrounding a dying dad in a hospital and to write a scene for this. That was his idea. He Mm. went in and 
the writing progress process sorry, for, for people is completely different. You speak to one writer, I'll be, actually, I've got this character and then I build from there. Some yeah. people will say I have a, an end point I want them to get to. Mm-hmm. I find it's really weird that he had this idea for this, this scene in a hospital and you know, there is a scene in, you know, in the film yeah. where, where and, the, and this isn't a spoiler alert, the, the reason why this dysfunctional family has to come together is Dustin Hoffman's character falls ill and that they have yeah. to rally around him to get their lives back in order mm-hmm. yeah that's the premise of the film you'll get that in five minutes of reading a synopsis or you'd kind of understand in the first i think 20 minutes he gets into mm-hmm. that point in the film the fact that he was so desperate to make this scene he built a whole film around it and i don't think it pays off like, no. I, I mean it's very rare for you and me to agree uh especially a film which you know is, is critically acclaimed normally one of us will like it won't we yeah uh, and it's very rare that both of us who watched it individually came to the same conclusion and it had a bit of um oh what was that other film sort of like have you ever watched the royal tenenbaum, tenenbaum? yeah yeah it had that yeah. kind of feel to it and i know noah bambrich has got a, a very good extensive uh history behind him um and, you know, very critically acclaimed as well, but it had that kind of feel to it, and I didn't, and I don't really like that style of filming too much. I, I, it, it's not as entertaining and as, as a joyful as for me. It really. is very much an American style of filming and storytelling, and mm. that's enough. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And um, but maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe, maybe we just don't get it. You know, it's just it's. There's certain, I'm sure there's things that there's a very British style that we absolutely know and love, exactly, which yeah. you know maybe culturally doesn't translate. But for for me, yeah, I'm I'm I didn't really like it. People are really going on the Oscar campaign mm. trail with this one, and I think Netflix deserves to win an Oscar for their original production. Oh yeah, you know, some size, shape, or form. There has to be an Oscar winner in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it probably should come from this film. But I suppose it's kind of like the whole Leonardo DiCaprio thing, right? When he finally <laughs> got the Oscar for, for Revenant. I thought Revenant was okay. Yeah. But then again, if it meant Leo got what he deserves, then then fantastic. So I think Netflix yeah, deserves an Oscar to show how great their content is. I just don't think it should be this film. And um, my scoring for this, I'm going to say two out of five. Um, and that is by Netflix standards. And usually I'm more forgiving to Netflix movies because, hey, if you're paying, if you've already got the subscription, you ain't got to pay anything to, to watch this content on Very top. True, so, yeah. what would you say? I'd probably be a little bit more generous, maybe two and a half out of five. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very, it's very middle of the road. I, I, I can't get excited about this film. Yeah, I wouldn't. So, the way I, the way I see it, actually, it's quite a good point. People ask me, oh, how do you do your scoring? Yeah. And I'll say, Five is best film of the year, absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Four is it's a good film, go to the cinema and watch it. Three yeah. is my recommendation of if you see it on TV, if you see it available to buy, yeah. probably you, know, you you'll do a good turn. Two is nah, kind of avoid it. One is why are we having this conversation, you know, yeah. it's, it's don't yeah. even bother. So I wouldn't say don't even bother, but it's very few people, and yeah, it's two out of five. You know, for this me. place is a client. That's why we could get a table so last minute. That's why they gave us this bigger table. I imagine they'll send some complimentary stuff, too. $55 for a steak. We're known for their meat here. And $35 for a salmon? You get the salmon to blow you for that price? Dad, it'll be okay here. It'll be nice to spend time with Dad. No, I didn't get a lot of time with him growing up. For the feature this week, with Halloween coming up, and also to announce our new Twitter account, for the users to get involved and share feedback in a productive way. <laughs> productive way, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've decided to launch a poll. The poll is going to be based on ultimate horror franchises. Now, 
you're going to say, wait a minute, how can you do a Twitter poll on the ultimate horror franchises? There are literally bazillion franchises out there and only four options in a Twitter mm. voting poll. You are quite right for thinking this. So I've got a scientist here and I have access to the internet. What can I do to simplify this this down to four ultimate movie franchises? Now, I want to be very clear here. I'm talking about movie horror franchises, not individual films. So let's use an example like Alien. Alien 1, absolutely incredible. And to be honest, I actually quite like all of them. But if you look at the actual overall score as a franchise, if you look at Alien 4, uh, the Resurrection one, which yeah. didn't do too well, Alien 3, where they took the greatest cast in the history of mankind from Aliens 2 and killed them off camera, <laughs> you know, you've got an average score as a franchise of a lot lower than the first film. So we're trying to figure out what our favourite franchises are. Before we go into the details of, of how I got to this list and how we're going to pull that together, Jamie, when you and me, we love our horror, right? We you do. Know, I think it's, it's fair to say that probably George A. Romero's up there for us with that. But yeah. what's your? if you had to say your favourite movie horror franchise, where would you go? Uh, it, it would be, it George, would be. A, George A. Romero. And that was, we liked zombies before they were cool. I'd like to I, add yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were the guys who at uni, they'll be like, man, they're obsessed with zombie movies. Yeah. Like, the, the lower the budget, the better. Right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, don't get me wrong. And, and even George A. Romero's got some films where... They, they, you know, they don't do so great at the end. I think you know there was the the Diary of the Dead was yeah. there was one that was that was hit and miss. He kind of done a George, he kind of done a George Lucas before George Lucas. Yeah, he would go back and remake his movies. I mean, he remade Night of the Living Dead, and actually that remake was brilliant. Yeah. in fact, that was the that become the new standard mm-hmm. of, of horror films. And I quite time. liked the remake of Dawn of the Dead as well. I thought that was quite a good one. That was but, Zack Snyder's first proper movie, uh, right? And, so that, yeah, I like that. But George A. Romero was very much behind the scenes yeah. with that movie. And then you had Land of the Dead. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it, but the final scene. Oh, what, stop. Yeah. They're just looking for a home. Just like <laughs> us. What? No, it's a zombie film. They are going to eat you unless you bash in their skulls. That is a zombie film. Do True. not go down the humane, oh, they're just animals, you know, let's protect them. No, no, bash in their heads with anything you've got I spare. I know, I know. But he kind, of, he kind of touched upon this whole evolution of zombies in Day of the Dead, didn't he? With yeah, the, when they started when learning, learning. And yeah, I, I guess. I, I guess. guess. No, I agree. Absolute but, classic movies. Yeah. Um, he probably shouldn't have been allowed to go near his properties after a certain point. <laughs> but um, anyone who's a regular subscriber will know that we've done a big segment about him a few, a few months back when he passed away yeah. of, of how much that man means to both me and Jamie to yeah. be fair and absolutely love those films great but for me I'm, I'm yeah right we'll put George A. Yeah. Romero in a corner to we'll, say you're yeah we'll put him aside you're the god you you yeah. were the man who, who done it for for me I mean for me to be honest I absolutely loved like the Child's Play movies did you ever watch them is that is that Chucky Chucky yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what not when I was younger because they freaked me out. Exactly. I have, I've watched done the job. Them, I've watched them since. Now it's hilarious. Uh, and now they're hilarious. But, you know, when you're a little bit younger and you started getting into the horror genre and you're trying to watch all those films you're not supposed to be watching yet, that one freaked me out the most. You know, just that, the idea of an inanimate object coming to life to murder you. <laughs> yeah, true, was true. terrifying. I'll tell you, a, a franchise that you introduced me to when we were at uni, the Cube movies. Oh, uh, Joe, I have forgotten about those. It mixed yeah. your two favourite things. Yeah. Science <laughs> and horror. Yeah, it did. And those were great. In fact, the one I preferred out of the three was Cube 2. Um, Hypercube. Uh, yeah. No, because, was that Cube 3? No, you're right. Cube 2 was yeah, Hypercube. Yeah, because they done, they, they done yeah. that classic move of 
make a low budget film, do really, yeah. really well, put a load of cheesy effects in for a sequel, yeah. and then they went back. Yes. In Cube 3. Cube 0. That was it. I loved them. I love the idea of it because it was a little bit like um, the Saw films in, in respect, wasn't it? Because yeah. they kidnapped a load of people. They had to figure out why they were in this box. And I think it was I think it was the Hypercube one where they had... Was it, I don't know, I hope I'm not giving away spoilers. The film is pretty damn old. Um, where they had... I think the creator was actually in there with them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah and they had to figure... And they didn't figure that out. And it was... I, I quite like the... There was actually a good storyline to that. Rather than them just being in this box where they were all going to be murdered one by one. You know, there was actually a storyline to it. And there yeah. was actually some... Speak of the Saw drama. franchise... Have you ever tried to paste together the chronological order of these films? I think I lost interest <laughs> after uh, like Saw 3, I think. Yeah, yeah. Basically, when the main guy has been dead for so long, yeah. I refuse to believe that... <laughs> you can suspend disbelief for so mm. far, but there's no way that he could have actually have planned all these different <laughs> yeah, intricate ways yeah. for years in the future on the off chance he dies yeah. and someone else takes the mantle. It's a bit sad, actually, isn't it? Like, yeah. like, it starts becoming a horror and actually becomes a little bit of a... I start feeling sorry for Jigsaw, you know? Like, well, that's, you are a sad that's why <laughs> I think the franchise discussion is far more mm. interesting than just saying your favourite horror movie. Yeah. Because okay. there's only a handful which we would all agree as, as film-loving horror mm. buffs of what our favourite horror movies are. Yes, we might debate over some of them, but mm. if you had to put together a top ten list, yeah. chances are we'd have quite a similar list. Yeah, and actually, talking about the Saw one, I mean, I, I lost interest after the third one, but seeing the latest trailer for Jigsaw... I'm actually quite intrigued by it. And but you are intrigued by bad films. I am intrigued by bad <laughs> films, which is probably not a good indication. <laughs> and if any of the makers of that film are watching it, the fact that I like it means it's probably going to pan. Uh, well, I, they made such a big deal out of that last one. They even called yeah. it the final chapter. Was it, yeah. know, it was called the final yeah, something, something like anyway. that, yeah. And they were like, oh, it's going to be in 3D. It's going to be amazing. The legacy yeah. comes to fruition. It's like, What? Like, I remember in 2008 when the legacy finished, when he died. Yeah. Come on now, yeah, seriously. It, but I remember the second, I think it was, was it the second one where, yeah, it is the second one, sorry, where um, it, pretty much everyone dies, right? Yes. And I come home from the cinema, well, we were at uni at the time, I come back mm. from the cinema, and Alex, our housemate, was like, oh, how, was, how good was Saw? And I was like, just everyone dies. Just, just, and I was like, wait a minute, I've just spoiled it completely for him. It was like that yeah. Red Dwarf episode, the first Red Dwarf episode, it was like, everyone's dead, David. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dead, Dave, they're all dead. <laughs> In fact, I would have far preferred yeah. it if the entire Saw franchise moving forward would just be, so what happened with John Saw? John's dead. dead. Yeah. He's dead, John. They're all dead. dead. You put them in a box for three days, they suffocated. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of like horror franchises that keep being rebooted, mm. right? So my definition of franchises for this experiment, if you want to call it that, is that it has to be a horror franchise of two or more movies yeah. which can be... Re we're including reboots in this. We're also including literal translations. So if you think of like the Grudge movies, which mm -hmm. was based uh, was actually originated in oriental culture which eventually came over and done an american version same with i've said the grudge i'm like the ring movies there's, there's lots yeah. of yeah, lots of things here so i'm going to go through this list now 
and just not that this is in no particular order of the franchises that I've I've done my experiment about. And if I've missed some of your beloved, cherished uh, franchises, then please tweet the account when we send this out. It's going to be at TalkFilmy to me, um, and this is in no particular order. I'm going. I'm going to start off. Probably let's start off just randomly from the bottom here. So, Children of the Corn, Urban Legend, Wrong Turn, The Blair Witch Films, The Ring, The Amityville Films, The Grudge, Candyman, Hellraiser. Friday the 13th, The Exorcist, Paranormal Activity, Poltergeist, anything beginning with P, The House, <laughs> The Hills Have Eyes, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The VHS, Omen, Child's Play, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Cube, Wreck. Do you remember, have you seen Wreck? Which one's that? So it's a, you'd love it actually, it's a, it's a Spanish um, franchise right. and it's based, it's before found footage movies become mm. like a thing. Do you remember like right. the late 2000s? Yeah. It was just like, oh, sorry. So before 2010, it was basically shaky ha- cam, hand cam stuff. Yeah. Um, it was based, based about a zombie epidemic inside Ooh. an apartment complex. It was taken and remade for an American audience called Quarantine. Mm. But the original trilogy of films called Wreck, absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, it's, okay. in, it's subtitled though, so you have to be, you can't be drunk while you're watching it. No. But, um, uh, sorry, sorry, back to the list. Uh, Final Destination, Resident Evil, Insidious, Scream, Alien, Saw, George A. Romero's Of The Dead franchise, The Thing, Evil Dead, The Conjuring, and I probably missed out a load there. But so I'm looking. I've looked at these franchises. And I've looked at the one common place that there's an even scoring. So I'm not doing it on box office because that's not fair. I'm doing it on the audience score, not the critic score. The audience score from Rotten Tomatoes. I have taken the Rotten Tomatoes score for every movie in that franchise and done an average score. Sounds quite work intensive there, Flynn. It was. I should have been doing <laughs> other things in my job. But um, the reason why is because I wanted to really sort of figure out right. Is there a way to say what is the ultimate horror franchise, and what? Mm. And from that, come up the top four, and from the top four, and we'll obviously influence that list and put that mm. on our Twitter account for our users to to vote on. Out of that list, for you, if you had to pick, let's say two, what would be your ultimate horror franchises? Oh, I, I wrote down one as you were going through it, thinking because oh, I remember you read the list to me beforehand, and I was like, I don't remember him saying this one, and it's a bit of a a classic slasher film because it's got those jumpy moments. Oh, I've just thought of one. I don't know if you did say it. I know what you did last summer. Was that on your list? No, I didn't. Damn ah. it. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. Um, I'll, just... I'll get the scores while you're, <laughs> while you're just talking. Um, yeah, sorry. I was just thinking about slasher films and, you know, it's, it's sort of a classic 90s, early 2000s slasher type film and it's Scream, actually. And from yeah, Scream... Yeah, put Scream's in there, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I did hear you say that, so I crossed that off my list. Uh, originally, I wrote down Scary Movie, but that's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different genre. Uh, but yeah, you know, obviously, Scream had the spin-offs with Scary Movie. Um, obviously, had some great characters in it, like Courtney Cox and so on. Oh my God, um, they carried on making them. Oh my God, how many were there? Uh, there was three, and it got rebooted. It's being rebooted at the moment, actually. So I won't right. inc- obviously, I won't include the scores for that one. But obviously, there yeah. was, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer, the following year. Yeah. And what came out in 2006, I'll always know what you did last summer. Amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, yeah, it's really difficult because I, I quite like the Final Destination films because they really scare me. Like, as in, 
the film itself's not scary. The concept's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think everyone has had that moment where they're driving behind a truck that has like a load of wood on it or a load of like high metal beams or something like that. And you're like, I don't like being behind this. I'm going to overtake it. I've always likened Final Destination to the start of an episode of Casualty. <laughs> you know, yeah. right, for, for our international audience, there's a British institution show called Casualty, which is basically around a hospital. Mm. And it's not about the hospital per se. It's about people who have accidents and end up in A&E. And yeah. it always starts out with someone going about their day. It'll be, I don't know, like a plumber yeah. on his phone just going, all right, love, yeah, bye. Don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen to me today. And then they'll go do a job and maybe they'll be working on a on a pipe and as they're working on a pipe, there might be a drip by an electrical socket yeah. and you'll go, he's going to get it soon, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a little bit like that. But have you not had that moment where you're driving behind something you think, and you know that scene where the, the bit of wood goes through and smashes someone's face. Have you never driven behind something and gone, I'm overtaking this, I don't want a final destination. Oh yeah, yeah, I have yeah. that all the time. Especially, yeah. uh, we, we live in the countryside in, in a lovely place called Essex and there's always tractors on the roads and crap like that and yeah there's always the odd accident happening so yeah yeah, do you have you have final destination vision is that what you're saying yeah it kind of has affected my life on a daily basis (laughs) (laughs) there's not there's not many films that have done that but that does actually affect my life is this you're the Essex equivalent of flatliners. You've experienced yeah. it a little bit, and now that's all you see. Yeah, exactly. I just uh, just that possibility is always there, and it terrifies sure. me. Well, one <laughs> franchise which I wanted to give a bit of airtime to, actually, uh, we talked about it in our video game special, the Resident Evil franchise, and I knew it. I knew that was going to be your one. <laughs> well, no, actually, I, I love Resident Evil. You do absolutely. Yeah. I love zombies. I love video games, yeah. and the Resident Evil. I grew up on it. I. As a Resident Evil fan, I hate these movies, right? They've just right. done what they do with every every time Hollywood screws up an adaptation, they mm-hmm. just name-check a couple of bits and they'll just uh, try and build their own narrative completely different and it's just absolutely terrible. But if you don't watch it as a fan of the Resident Evil video games and you just watch it as a fan of horror movies, the first three, I'd yep. argue, are really good. Um, but they kind of go off a bit of a nose edge when they become more action horror. Ironically, mm. the video game franchise itself kind of went in that, that way as well. Um, and that's kind of interesting how they influence each other. But there is a lot to be said about modern horror. So I'm thinking about Bloomhouse in particular have done so much for horror. You think about, obviously, they started out with Paranormal Activity, but then they went yeah. into Insidious, The Conjuring. Then there'll be lots of other low-budget little mm. experiments to see what audiences take well to it. I was speaking to AJ, um, the guy who appeared on our video games episode a while back, who is desperate to get on this podcast again, but he's a very busy man. Um, and I was trying to trying to tempt him to get onto this one because I know he loves his horror. He said, quite interesting, for 2016 and 2017, all the big surprise packages of horror have been themed around the idea of don't do something, <laughs> don't breathe, don't look and stuff like that. I was like, that is quite interesting. I don't really understand. I don't really know why that's interesting, but it just is. Yeah, well, that is interesting actually, isn't it? Yeah. But what I don't like is when they pick up on a quick. Uh, I suppose. Oh yeah, so here I've got this. Don't breathe. Don't knock twice. Don't blink. I mean, yeah, it's quite interesting, and most of them are actually quite good. But um, they could just summarise that as don't mess with evil things. That might be a nice summary there. Just you know. Don't do that Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> don't go to that haunted house. Yeah, <laughs> Generally, probably don't exist, but why risk it? 
I think that might be a nice. Summary. Don't don't risk it. Yeah. There you go. If the... I was in a horror film, it'd be awful because it'd be like, nah, I'm not into that. Sorry. My, nah, my cameo would be three minutes long. I'd be like, I'm out. Your episode, <laughs> your episode of Casual will be like, I ain't doing that. Yeah, that's dangerous. That. That's... Have you not seen the water dripping on that electric, mate? Is Elf and Safety signed off on this? Yeah. (laughs) Where's the pat testing? (laughs) But speaking back on the the Bloomhouse stuff, I think that's really, really Mm. took horror and put it back into put it back into cinemas because to a point, because of your slasher movies taking over really with Mm. your your screams, your I know it did last summers, it kind of was going down one particular direction where Bloomhouse really did open up the spectrum again yeah. and started scaring us again. I remember when I saw Paranormal Activity in 2005 and I didn't see it through normal conventional means. Um, actually, Paranormal Activity was released a good couple of years before that as just a straight-to-DVD yeah. film. It was only because it got picked up by a film festival. It started doing doing around, doing well. It came out in cinema. And there's actually a different ending on the original one to what ended up mm. in cinema. I saw that original version because I, just, I read on a forum somewhere of how great this horror movie was. And I was freaked out by it so much. Yeah. It was so original. What I don't like is when original concepts get taken and re- re- uh, manipulated. Mm. Do you remember there was that Facebook video made of someone turning off the light and turning the light back on? Oh, God. Yeah, that freaked me out. That did, right? Yeah, That's- yeah, yeah. And, and there'd be something that would be getting closer and closer. Yeah. 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 I've got a corridor by my bedroom which is quite long and that freaked me out and I, I don't believe in any of that stuff I don't believe in the paranormal but it freaked me out <laughs> these films have got to stop affecting my life <laughs> right so that obviously went viral you've yeah. heard it I've heard yeah, it I'm yeah. pretty sure most people who, who use mm. social media have probably seen it in some size shape or form yeah. now a film company decided to steal that premise and made a film called Lights Out and right. it's just like We've only just started to embrace creative people. So why yeah. didn't you find that that person who made that that short yeah. film? Give them some money and see what they could do with it. No, yeah. you stole their idea and you took something which is incredible, scared the crap out of us. It was a Facebook mm. video that someone yeah. made with their phone, right? Yeah. And even had some parodies made of it every now and yes. again. But but and you, you drained the life out of it. Anyway, that's my, my rant against well, that. Well, going back to that, why would you turn the lights out? If it happened once, just leave the light on. That's a good point. I, you know, that, and and leave. Yeah, invest. <laughs> like, lights on, jacket on, out of that bloody door. Or See, invest you, in sunglasses and go to bed. I wouldn't last long. I wouldn't <laughs> last long in films, mate. But I want a question for you. What makes you know? I'm just thinking about the horror Sasha film sort of thing. You yeah. know, and quite often it's someone who's got a vendetta against a group or a person. Yeah. And they go out of their way to murder these people. Yeah. What is the difference between that? And someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in Collateral Damage, where his wife and daughter get blown up, and then he goes out to kill everybody in that gang and blows up a load of stuff. Perspective. Uh, perspective. So, so it's just perspective that changes from a horror Sasha to an action film, because essentially they are just murdering people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 100% perspective. <laughs> so actually, you've just opened up a whole new world of filmmaking here. Yeah. Why don't we go back and like find Predator, right? Yeah. Predator's a horror film anyway, to be fair. Mm. But... Um, well, that's more of an action film, but anyway, yeah. let's. It's See, that's what it starts getting blurry. Instead of looking at it from Arnie's perspective, you know the first scene where it is one of the fucking coolest scenes in the world, where they're surrounding that base yeah. and they go in there and they're like, knock knock, scene yeah. happens. Wouldn't it be interesting if they made they gone back and they made a a story 
where it's from the perspective of one of those soldiers and it's basically like a horror story yeah. he's on his own in the jungle he's yeah. being hunted by one of, yeah. by Arnold Schwarzenegger I've got yeah. interested but um, I think it's from matter of perspective right mm. and that's why have you seen um, the new Mutants trailer that came out a couple of weeks ago so basically it's a spin-off no. of the X-Men franchise it's based around uh, a new generation of mutants and they're doing it from a horror perspective okay it's basically superhero movies, make a load of money, let's just stick on as many genres as possible. Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones has been cast Oh, in brilliant. It. Yeah, she's good. And, and they released the trailer. Now, all right, cool, mutants, horror, great. But how can this be a horror movie? Because horror films only work when there's a lack of control. Yes. So I don't want to say a disparity in power, because you could have a very rich and successful, powerful person. Yeah not in control of a situation, it becomes scary. You can also have a very weak person in control of a situation and it becomes equally as scary. So when your key protagonists mm-hmm. have mystical, supernatural abilities to always be in control of a situation, how can you make that horror? So they're the victims. They're the victims. Oh, so right. Imagine, okay. so the concept is, uh, this is my understanding of it anyway, a group of mutants have been kidnapped and stuck into an asylum and this asylum happens to be haunted or there's a there's a supernatural element to it, okay. and everyone's being killed, and these mutants have got to escape. That's a, a different take on it. I, I, I don't know if that would work. I'm intrigued, so I probably would watch it. The trade is very run of the mill, you know, stereotypical yeah. horror, quiet, quiet slash, yeah. and then yeah, back yeah. to quiet again. Um, so anyway, shall we shall we start doing a bit of science to this now? So yeah. first of all, of I, I mean, out of that list, I've said. <coughs> For you, what would be your top two? Top two. Um, I think George A. Romero, because it spans several generations. So I think that's got to be up there because I think that would appeal to the old and the young. And So yeah, I don't think I need to adjust that one for, justify that one further. Uh, and then the second one, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say Final Destination films just because oh, there's so many of those that so I could put it down. I'm going to say Final Destination just because it's screwed up my life slightly. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What are your top two? Oh, well, okay. And this is a bit unfair because you know what the top two no, are. No, no, well, this, <laughs> this is my opinion, right? So, in my opinion, I love the Alien franchise. And just for the record, I've included Prometheus and Alien Covenant in this. Right. Um, I love that franchise. I absolutely adored the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and one year when I was a kid I made a Freddy Krueger outfit and scared the shit out of my mum which I, <laughs> I'll always hold dear as a memory yep. um, I absolutely adored the Paranormal Activity franchise I thought that was great um, even though yes it did get rubbish and the narrative was really unfulfilling when the final film did come out but I, I, I was, it scared the crap out of me so I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it I thought Exorcist I used to really enjoy that Oh, I didn't even think of the Exorcist films they were great they were great, and they're timeless as well. They hold, they hold well. The first, the first one does, mm. um, and I even, I mean, it's quite an interesting story actually. There's a, a fourth Poltergeist movie, and it's split oh. into two movies um, because they had this idea of a big prequel of how the the entity came to Earth, and it was like the film set in like the fifties or something, or maybe before then, and it's set in Egypt. Thing, or mm. the Sahara anyway and it's, it's, it's set in a very unlikely setting and mm. 
the first cut of it was shown to the studio and they said this is god awful this is absolutely terrible you cannot release this this is not happening oh, wow. fired the director got a new director in a new cast and reused as much footage as they could and remade a new film and it was called um it was called the exorcist the beginning right. and released it Shortly afterwards, that film tanked, and like we've got to make our money back some size, shape, or form. Let's take that original cut and also release it. So yeah. they called it Dominion, The Exorcist. Right. So it's the same or very similar I story. I think I've seen Fred. Dominion. I think. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it's quite interesting, and I, I thought both versions are actually all right. Yeah. Like, I thought it were quite good. Yeah. Was it Dominion one where there's like a priest who falls down like a really long? stone staircase yeah it's hilariously yeah. long and it's just like bang 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 it's like wow this guy's this guy's going for it like, <laughs> he's still going <laughs> right so i'm going to just so I've, I've got the list here from top to bottom of the top franchise based on the average rotten tomatoes user score mm. for each film within that franchise yeah. building up so that's the methodology of how we come to this so this is why it's interesting because some of the classic films out there have not made the top of the list at all. In fact, they're more towards the bottom. Reason why is because they've just gone on for so long. Right. Children of the Corn is at the bottom. Now, really? bear in mind, the first movie got an average score of 98%. People love it. It's a great film. Yeah. Christopher Reeve, fantastic. But there was something like 11 movies after that, wow. which the scores got worse and worse and worse and worse, which gave it a, an average score of 24%. And the I know you did last summer movies don't hold up too well, neither of that. But here's what I'm finding really interesting out of all this data that I've got. Is that if you grouped it by subject matter, okay, the subject matter got a kind of an interesting score. So let's look at, I know you did last summer, Urban Legend and mm. Wrong Turn. Okay. All similar in terms of yeah. high school slasher horror movies. Now if you take every film in that franchise average yeah. it together, they've all got a similar score, all around 30%. Right. Which is, and here's another interesting one for you Paranormal Activity and Poltergeist. Yep. Both around supernatural elements, both about haunted elements and different dimensions and mm-hmm. stuff. 30 years apart, nothing to do with each other, shot in different ways. Both have got the exact same average score. Interesting. I suppose actually this is probably what filmmakers do to an extent, isn't it? They actually analyse how well they're received by audiences and then make a slightly different variation on it. Exactly. But. If you then look at things like The Thing, that only was remade once, and that mm-hmm. only had one film. Now, there's two or more films, so it, it, it classes itself as a franchise. Yeah. That has scored very favourably, because the original was damn good, yeah. and the, although the remake wasn't as good, it was still worthy still enough strong, to, yeah. to, to keep it up there. So that's quite interesting. So the top four, which mm-hmm. is going to make up this Twitter poll, is The Conjuring... Oh, interesting. The Evil Dead franchise. Yes. George A. Romero's franchise. Mm-hmm. And the Thing franchise. Interesting. I'm glad the Evil Dead's up there. I love the Evil Dead. I, I totally forgot about that, actually, while we were talking. I love the Evil Dead. So a lot of people would say that the third one, Army of Darkness, is a comedy and not yep. a horror. Yeah. Um, I would say... I was really young when I watched it, so it scared me. Yeah. So it, it, still, it still works. Yeah, and does that include the TV series as well? No, I didn't include TV. Right. I don't just... think that's fair because it's a it's a movie thing, isn't it? It's, it's not a TV. Well, thing. it's quite interesting. Scream has a Netflix season now, don't? Does it? it? Yeah, no, I've not seen that. I have to check that out. But I can't imagine it being that good. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it someone getting murdered every episode? 
be like Midsummer Murders, wouldn't it? Where yeah. you've got people being murdered in this one sort of tiny county. Like, <laughs> you know, the most beautiful idyllic county in the world, but the highest murder rate you've ever seen. Like, it's just... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... there's only an extent to how far these sort of episodes can go because I mean if there was a slasher running around a town I'd be like Joe what should we move again <laughs> yeah. I would be a terrible actor in any of these films well it's quite <laughs> interesting um, I think of It uh, which we done in a film review a couple of a couple of pods back mm. and uh, it's based around this, this town called Derry and every 27 years kids start dying and the only reason why no one's picked up on it is because they wrote it into the narrative that Pennywise would influence people to kind of ignore the facts that are going right. on. But you're right, most of it, anything where it's a, a regular thing, like the Jeepers Creepers yeah. franchise. Oh, like, I really like that, though, the Jeepers Creepers one. Yeah, it, yeah. it done all right, it done all right. It got into it's, the high 50s. It's a song, though, isn't it? Jeepers Creepers. How'd you get those peepers? Peepers, peepers. Just hearing that plane just makes your skin crawl. How'd you get those eyes? I love it on Family Guy when they do that song and Stewie just goes, great, that's another song about things I just said. (laughs) 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 But but yeah, so there you have it. Our top four, which is going on our poll on Twitter. The ultimate horror franchise. Your choices are The Conjuring, Evil Dead, The Thing, or George A. Romero's franchise of the dead. If you think your franchise deserves to be in there, if your favourite one, then let us know. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TalkFilmyToMe. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Talk Film Me To Me podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the subscribe button. You can also get in contact with us for our new Twitter account, at TalkFilmyToMe. I'd like to thank my guest, James Hannon. It's been amazing as always having you, sir. How can people find you? Um, well, they can come to Essex and find me in the local pub. You done or... that job? You done that job? You done that joke last time? Uh, it was just really? as cheesy. <laughs> well, I like to be quite cheesy, but they can find me on Twitter as well at Mr. Hannon in Space. I'm not really in space. I'm just in every space. Hannon in space. <laughs> so next week we'll be coming back to check out the review your ultimate film franchise from the Twitter poll. We'll have some other features and some more streaming gems. Till next time. We're down in the basement. Lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.